Welcome back to the, the Hawks Film Room Podcast. It's me, Zach, with uh, Spencer Perlman here of the Stepien uh, 2019 Phoenix Suns Draft Consultant. How are you doing today, Spencer? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, we're recording here on a Saturday morning here to talk about, you know, sort of what the Atlanta Hawks are going to be looking at when they pick sixth in the first round and then... 50 in the second round, at least, you know, for now. Schlenk has been aggressive as far as draft day trades. Um, just that's just the reality. He's been really active. So keep that in mind. These things are not set in stone. But for now, 6 and 50. Um, just getting right into it. Who are a couple guys right away, if you're Atlanta, that you're, like, realistically hoping will slip to 6? Um, I mean... Good question. Uh, I guess, you know, Hayes, Hayes would definitely be an option. I think Devin Vassell, um, he'd fit in well, even though you guys took, you know, Cam and DeAndre Hunter last year. Um, I think Denny, Denny would probably be, like, he'd probably be my number one target. Um, I just highly doubt he falls to the Hawks. Um, and then, I mean, beyond that, they're going to be guys who go below who could potentially fit, but, you know, those guys are probably closer to the top for me. So you think Denny doesn't get by Cleveland? Because I feel like Chicago, there yeah. is a little... Um, Chicago could definitely take him, but they do have Lowry, and uh, I don't know I don't know if that would have really impacted, but Charlotte and Minnesota, I think, are not going to take Denny. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so what I know specifically about Denny, I know the Warriors like him, and I know the Bulls like him. Um, okay. I, I doubt the Warriors take him at two. Um, I think he fit perfectly there, and I think that would be a lot of fun to watch. I just don't think they'll take him at two. Um, the Bulls, I could easily see, you know, Chicago taking him there because even though they do have Lowry, I think you can play um, Kobe if he is their starting point guard of the future. You can play Zach if he's still there um, as the you know the backcourt, and then you could have Denny, Lowry, and Wendell Carter as the three, four, and five of the future. And I know they still have Otto Porter, so Denny's probably coming off the bench. Um, but if that happens, then you can still go small. You know, you have some really cool options with Otto and Denny as a 3-4, with Wendell at the 5. If you want to go super small and, you know, not really pay attention to defense, you could put Lowry at the 5-2 um, next to those guys. But I personally wouldn't do that. And then Cleveland, you know, you never know with them because they took point guards in back-to-back years. So maybe they take another point guard this year, um, which would be a terrible idea. But if Denny's there at 5 and if Cleveland passes on him. That's that's a huge mistake. Yeah, no, I, I think the fit to there, you know, is like you said, they've taken guards back to back lottery or you know back to back in the top eight. So it's going to be really tough for them, even if um, you know they love Cole Anthony or something like that. Uh, they're going to have to trade or punt on Sexton or Garland to take someone like that. So it definitely, yep. you know, someone like Denny would make a lot of sense for them. But mm-hmm. what about someone like a Kongwu? I mean, you think if, if like, let's say something crazy happens and Okoro is already gone and, you know, the Hawks are, let's say they have a Kongwu ahead of a cell on their board and they're strictly in best player available. Uh, do you think, you know, to me, the fit concerns are overrated because I think all the stuff about the Hawks, like 
winning next season and like making the playoffs. Like, sure, they can make the playoffs, but like Travis Schlink said in his post draft or post lottery availability the other night, like we're trending towards just being a winning program. They're not having certain goals, even though the team has said they want to make the playoffs, like the players and head coach Lloyd Pierce have said, you know, that's what we want to do. That they almost have to say that, and that's what they should want. So I don't think that's like, you know, doesn't really you know matter that's just them you know being competitive so right I, I think as far as the roster this season like i just wouldn't worry about it i wouldn't not take a kongwu because the hawks have dwayne deadman like yeah um i mean i think I, I think i've told you this privately before i would definitely take a kongwu um i know they have clint capella there but his timeline's different than everyone else's you know he's not young, young. He's not old. He's what, 26, 27, something like that. Right. Um, and he has the injury concerns also. And I think Okongwu, I think his ceiling is a good deal higher than Clint's on both sides of the court. Um, so if you're really trying to build within the timeline and, you know, I think again, Okongwu can help next year too. If he's there, if, if they want to take him, by all means take him because I think the fit with him and Trey and just, his ability to, you know, potentially be a short roll passer, to be an elite um, rim runner, and then on defense to clean up mistakes, like that's that's exactly what you'd want next to someone like Trey, who's not the best <laughs> defender, to put it lightly. Yeah, how much do you buy? Even like eighty five percent of the Bam Adebayo comp, like could he even be a B plus version of Bam, or is that just something you think is totally? Just off the off the point. I think it's kind of out there just because of like Bam is a special fluid athlete. Like he's six nine two fifty. He does not move like he's six nine two fifty. Um, Okongwu moves a little bit heavier. Um, like you know he he doesn't play like he's you know two eighty or three hundred pounds or anything like that. He's just. He doesn't move as he's not as light in his feet, and I think if you take that away from Bam, he's not, you know, the full switch guy on defense. Um, so I mean, I guess defensively, I wouldn't say, but offensively, in terms of you know being that short roll passer, somebody who can attack from um, the free throw line off the catch, and you know run the offense pretty much as much as you'd want any non Jokic big to do. I think he could do that. Um, he'd have to make strides passing, but the flashes that we've seen, like they've been really impressive. And from what I remember, they're actually more impressive than what Bam showed at Kentucky, who was mainly just a post-up passer and then not particularly good one at that. Um, but you know, if you could get three quarters of Bam, that's, that's really good. Um, so yeah, yeah, I just, I just ask you that because people often say, uh, Bam out of bio, you know, is a comp for a Kongwu, and mm-hmm. you know, I'm like you. I just, I don't know. Bam is so good. I can't just like, oh yeah, this prospect's gonna be Bam out of bio. Like that's, I don't know. That's not like unrealistic right. almost for any anyone who's not like, like if I think someone's gonna be as good as Bam in this draft, they're like gonna be the number one pick, and everyone is gonna know. Like they would be almost like, I don't know. Like I just don't see that kind of impact from yep. any of the big men in this class. So yeah, and like Bam's development curve was nuts. Like that, that's the other really thing. improved and banking on that improvement from anyone, like I don't care how hard of a worker you are, it's chances are it's not going to happen. 
So that's another yeah. reason. Also, Bam went to Miami, so he, yep. you know, that's like <laughs> A plus development. So, yep. you know, depending on where Akongwu goes, he might not be getting that. So, right. But Atlanta has developed their young players, especially on the offensive end. I think they could definitely do something with him. Uh, defensively, I think, you know, he's not going to need as much. Um, like, I think he already has pretty good instincts. So if he could just figure out how to play within a system. But I don't know. Would you be dropping a Kongwu or would you just be playing him straight up? I, I mean, he's definitely the most versatile big in this year's draft um, defensively because uh, he can definitely, you know, hedge and recover. He can play soft. He can drop. He can switch a little bit. Um, I would prefer to keep him in drop. I think I think he's just probably best to use there. Um, but that doesn't mean that he, like, you know, if, if you need to hedge on someone, he can do it. With him specifically, I think it's just how quickly he can recover because there have been some instances where he – you know, he gets up high, he completely uh, turns the ball handler around, and then he's just slow getting back to his man, so they have that over-the-top pass available. But then there are other times where um, where he's able to recover after completely turning around the ball handler and just stop that pass. So, you know, it could be a motor thing. Um, it could, you know, maybe the flashes were exactly just flashes. But I think in terms of scheme, he's probably best used as a drop defender with, you know, with with some room to change that depending on um, depending on who else like who, who the action would be against I guess right so you think I mean you think he's strictly a center right so that's that is yeah. where the fit does get I mean Capella has three more years on his contract so he and Capella really conceivably couldn't share the floor so there is there is a Slight fit concern, I guess, is where Kongu the first three years of his career, uh, he's right. kind of not going to be a starter, at least uh, not the projected starter going into the season. If the Hawks keep Capella, obviously Capella's had injuries, and that's kind of where, like, if he's the best player, that's why I would still take him because if he, if you have him graded as the best player, and he and he is, and you were right, and he is the best player throughout over his rookie contract over those four years. I just feel like you could use that big. The Hawks have been so shallow in the front court um, in the last few years. So, to me, it wouldn't be crazy. The reason I we are talking about him so much, by the way, is he is ranked fifth on ESPN's big board and sixth on the Athletics big board. So, he's right in that range for the Hawks. And um, he was actually mocked to the Hawks in ESPN's post-lottery mock draft. So... Enough on Kongwu, though. Another guy I've seen linked to the Hawks quite a bit is Tyrese Halliburton, Iowa State wing guard. Uh, 20 years old, 6'5", 6'7", wingspan. What are your thoughts on his fit in Atlanta? Um, so the fit I like a lot. Uh, he's not a primary creator. He's not someone who I'd run an offense through. He's that connecting piece, you know, the Lonzo ball type. Um, although he's a better playmaker in the half court than Lonzo was at the same stage, um, and I guess still kind of is. Um, obviously, he's an excellent team defender, but I guess my concern with Atlanta would be the defense. If you're playing him and Trey together, although you know team defense is obviously a lot more important than man, you're leaving two guys who you can now target and just get them on an island. 
And then that's going to force the entire defense to just completely be on their uh, toes and just ready to help when needed. Um, so although Halliburton will be able to help from a team defensive perspective, I do think having two guys who are built incredibly slight, who aren't particularly good ISO defenders, I think that could leave some issues. Um, maybe not during the regular season, but I think the playoffs when, when it gets to that stage. Um, but I, like, I wouldn't take him at six. Like the reason I didn't bring him up before also is because I think six is too high for him. Um, I think you could probably trade down a little bit and get him. And I floated this idea out with a couple of Nick fans on, you know, if, if the Knicks were to offer eight and a second round pick, you know, the 33rd pick or whatever that Charlotte pick is um, to the Hawks to move up to six, if LaMelo is there or to jump Detroit to get Killian, would the Hawks do that? Because if they do like Halliburton, chances are he's going to be there at eight and then you can pick up that second asset in the second round and a really good pick in the second round also. Um, and you can, you know, have your cake and eat it too in that scenario. And plus like, and, and Nick fans would obviously be very happy with that too. Um, I just think it would be a trade that would benefit both sides. So if they want Halliburton. You think there's a chance LaMelo could fall to six? I mean, I think there's a chance he falls to eight. Um, I don't think it, there's a good chance he falls to eight, but, you know, I, I do think if the chips fall a certain way and if, if Charlotte doesn't want him um, and if no team trades up, I could see him falling to seven and then Detroit would have to pick between him and Killian and because Killian's been working with Will Bynum, I think Detroit probably would prefer Killian because they've had better intel on him and, I mean, Will Bynum's Pistons, not legend, but, you know, he played there for 10, 12 years, whatever it was. Um, and that I just think Detroit would probably prefer Killian over Lamelo. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think there's a chance he could fall to six, eight. You know, it's probably out there. Yeah, I, I would say six is probably the floor for me because I just knowing Schlink, he's he's gonna make someone trade for Melo, even if he doesn't get enough. He's gonna make someone come up and get him because right. I, I just also think just based on the way Schlink has evaluated prospects over the years, like people can criticize Schlink for his trades or not, but he basically had Doncic and Trey Young one and two on his board that draft. So mm-hmm. you got to give him credit for that. I mean, he so just looking at LaMelo and kind of how he's similar to Doncic and Trey in terms of like usage and, you know, creation. I know he likes LaMelo. I feel like I know he likes LaMelo at least. So... I feel like he could at least threaten to take him and make someone give a legitimate offer. I mean, I think that Nick's trade would be a legit offer, though, just because yeah, of who yeah, else yeah. Like, would be available at 33. And, and, and in this draft, eight, I mean, you might still get the same guy you wanted at six. Yeah, and if it's not Halliburton, it's Vassell. <laughs> or, you know, it's maybe Okongu falls to eight. Like, who knows? Okoro could be there. It's, it's a really weird draft. So I don't think a trade would happen before then. But I think when the Hawks are on the clock at six, it wouldn't surprise me if um, if something did happen. Right. Yeah, no. If Lamelo fell to six, I mean, you're going to have every Hawks fan all of a sudden, like, I don't know. I feel like some Hawks fans don't want Lamelo because they love Trey so much and they don't want anything, you know, anything um, to happen there. Like, yeah. But 
to me, Trey and his offense is so explosive. Like, I don't think you can disrupt that. I think putting LaMelo on the floor would not. I mean, Trey is still going to go crazy, I think. Like, just he's just a machine. So I would almost just take him unless the offer was, like, pretty good because I have LaMelo, like, in a tier by himself as the number one player in this draft. So, I don't know. I've talked to you about this a lot. I don't know if you still have LaMelo kind of in that same, like, number one tier, but... Yeah, I, he's, I think, he's in the tier of his own. Yeah, I think the Hawks would be insane to trade him for Tyrese Halliburton in a second-round pick or whatever. I mean, I just... To me, it's just... The, so, the ceiling is so much different. And I actually think even the weaknesses, like, LaMelo's defense, I think he could potentially be someone who you don't just target. I mean... I think the reason the reason you would target him if he pans out with like you know C plus defense, you would just target him because you want to wear him out, like you want to wear Steph Curry or James Harden out. It's not like Steph Curry and James Harden. I mean, I'm talking about 2020 James Harden. Those guys are not terrible defenders. You just you know you want to make them work because they're doing so much on offense. So I do think he would still be probably targeted no matter where he goes, mm-hmm. even if he became decent. But um, like we've talked about offline with his length and his just overall, his basketball IQ, I do think he could be, you know, just kind of weird, mellow tangent since you brought up, he could <laughs> fall to, you brought up, he could fall to six. We're going to talk about it. So, right. Um, weird, mellow team defense tangent, but his length, his feel, you know, we both kind of think he could, he could be like, not this big negative on defense that he kind of has also, a, a like, stigma. Like, he had, he had nice flashes this year rotating. It was just him, keeping his hand down instead of contesting at the end. And this is the first year he's played defense at all in his career. So it's not like he was coached up heavily. He was forced to play and he still sucked. It was, he was not told to defend at any point in his career. Then he goes to Australia. He's told to defend and you see good things there. So it's not, you know, that far of a jump to say he's going to be a half decent defender at the very least. Right. And I think people just, overthink things sometimes like Lamelo is has a 6'11 wingspan and he's really quick and he's like you said Australia was his first time playing on like a real team where like he couldn't just basically do whatever he wanted I mean he was so good in high school that mm-hmm. they were and his team was so good that they were just killing everybody so it didn't yep. really they, they could not play defense and just win by 30 still so right I think just Melo is so untapped and so, like, just slept on. Like, I think if he would have went to Duke and played 40 games, he would be Zion. Like, he would be number one. I'm not saying he would be, like, this A, like, 95 overall out of 100 prospect like Zion was. But I think in this draft with everyone else and how they played, if he would have played, like, 30 games in the ACC or the SEC or something, I think, you know, the narrative would be a lot different. Completely agreed. Uh, same thing with all these, um, not all these, but a lot of these international guys. If Killian Hayes or if Denny would have been playing NCAA, uh, there's a chance yep. if they would be also consensus number one. Um, just yep. such a big difference in the competition. I cannot stress that enough. But getting into, we'll talk a little bit about, um, you know, some guys, a trade down target, for example, if uh, LaMelo or not if Lamelo, if um, let's say you know Vassell gets picked fifth or something, and and that's who the and or Coral went fourth or something. Um, is there anyone in the like fifteen to twenty range where you think like 
you know, like Maxi or someone where you're like, or even Patrick Williams, um, where you think the Hawks like would almost be like smart to just move down like seven, eight picks and like stack some assets because the drop off in players is not that great. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I like I would trade down just because I think at a certain point, you know, the relative ceiling and floor for each guy is more or less the same. Um, you know, Pat Williams, he's not going to be some mega all-star, but chances are he's going to be, you know, a solid role player. Um, Neesmith, I'm not high on him. I know, like, I wouldn't take him before Dez or um, Isaiah Joe, but I know some people definitely have him there. Um, he comes in with elite shooting. I think, I think Maxie's also kind of like a low key, nice fit with Atlanta, although he's obviously a bit smaller. Um, if he's there, they could take him. Like, I guess my sleeper pick and anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I'm, I love him would be, uh, Alexei Pokaseski. Um, I don't think Atlanta would take him just I don't think they would. I don't think many teams would really take them as high as I personally would. But if they trade down to, you know, 14, 15, um, and if he's there, talk, like, he's someone who could, A, fit with Clint, B, he could fit with John Collins also if they decide to keep him going forward. And, like, C, the fit with Trey is perfect because you not only have someone who could play off of Trey when they run pick and rolls, you know, they could run... Um, movement options, like movement plays to get Poku open at seven feet, which is insane, but you want to play Trey off ball a little bit more, you have a seven foot offensive hub who can create for others. He's, that's, it's exactly what you'd want from somebody, despite, I mean, not despite, you know, him being seven feet tall, um, would then allow them to play someone who, in the backcourt, who's not necessarily a creator. Uh, just, you know, gives them a lot more offensive options, but like, I would like to see that. I'd like to see Poku with any team that would really maximize his ability. And I think the theory of Poku in Atlanta fits really well. Do you think he'll play, like, whenever next season is? Do you think he, I mean, he just seems pretty far away from, like, no, playing like, in an NBA game. Yeah. Um, I I actually think he can come over right away and play. Like, he's not raw. Um, he's not some hyper athlete with little skill. He he's a really skilled player who has to get stronger. Um, like anytime you're looking for translation, I think between any league, the things that you look for are skill and IQ, probably more than anything else. Um, at least for immediate translation in terms of impact and whatnot. And like, I don't think he's going to be some high impact player his rookie year or you know anything like that, but having someone who's seven feet tall who can shoot and pass and protect the room a little bit, the odds of that person not being able to play at least 15 minutes a game and in, in like a normal organization who's not just kind of punting the season and saying, we'll just develop you. You're not going to get any minutes. I think the odds of that happening are low. Um, I personally think he can come over and pretty much play right away. Maybe not have as big a role as he'll have in three years. So maybe in that sense, he's a developmental guy, but I'm, pretty confident in saying that you know 15 18 minutes a game next year it's entirely possible yeah i i don't think um just based on uh kind of the vibe and the comments travis link has made i think 
he is more set on taking someone at six who he thinks is, you know, the best player available. And, you know, maybe he has Poku that high. I wouldn't put it past him. He loves the skills Poku has. I'm sure he, he's always been a big, you know, dribble, pass, and shoot. I know that's really cliche, but he's just talking about, you know, no matter how big you are, how what position you play, he wants players who could put the ball on the floor, who could shoot the basketball, and who could pass the basketball. And Poku, you know, that's literally why people like him. So is because he's seven feet and he could dribble, pass, and shoot. So mm-hmm. I, I definitely see, like, I just think just being that, you know, he's so far down um, doesn't really mean anything because this is not the Hawks board. So I really just don't even know, like, how to feel that out. I mean, if Schlenk traded down from 6 to 11, that's what's so crazy about this draft is, like, the shortened season and just – no combine. I mean, if the Hawks traded down from six to twelve and took Poku, that would literally, like, Hawks fans would be like, "Who the hell is that?" You know, like it would be yeah. insane. Like it would be insane in like in the terms of the reaction. Like people, it would be like kind of like the Knicks when they got Porzingis, which <laughs> obviously we see how that obviously we see how that turned out. So yeah, um, I don't know. It's super fascinating. It's always like something I come back to and just like go down a rabbit hole on um so i'm glad i'm glad you brought him up because like no one talks about him with the hawks and um i've talked about him on locked on hawks with brad roland and i'm sure you might have also but uh other than that i haven't really heard anyone talk about him with the hawks so probably won't happen but if it happens we talked about it um (laughs) other guys that the Hawks just can't draft, obviously, or like people like Kyra Lewis, um, Cole. <laughs> yeah, pe- people act like they can draft Cole Anthony, but they really—I just don't think they can. Um, no way. And the other thing I was gonna say about—I just looking at Halliburton again. I forgot to say it. The other thing about Halliburton that uh, I don't like—the re- I also, by the way, agree with you. I have him like twelve or thirteen, I think, on my board. Um, like I, I don't really have a set board either, but. I just kind of have him out of the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like the fit, regardless of if I had him eight or nine. I don't like the fit um, because even if you say, okay, we know maybe we don't, maybe we play him all the non trade minutes. Well, they're already trying to do that with Kevin Herter. They're trying to give him creation in the non trade minutes. So if you play Herter and Halliburton, you have the same thing. You have two guys that can sort of be targeted by bigger wings. So I just I feel like no matter where you put Halliburton on the first or second unit, it, it just is kind of weird. Yeah, and like if if you're playing him as a primary, you're completely screwed if the team that you're playing uses drop coverage against him. And I don't care how many shooters you have or how many non-shooters you have, if they're in drop, you tell the rest of the defense to stay home. He's just going to be taking contested floaters because he's not going to attack the paint and he has no mid-range jump shot to speak of. And I don't really think he'll have one because of the weird form. Um, so, I mean, if you're playing him, you'd need someone who can actually do that. And I love Herder. I would love to see him get a lot more playmaking reps. Um, I just, you know, having those guys as your primary initiators, I'm not sure is is great, even if it is just against, uh, against a second unit. Yeah, I, I just don't like it. I think, you know, the Lonzo comparison is actually pretty good. Even um, And if you want to take it even further, you know, to the, apply it to the Hawks, Halliburton would have 
multiple lob threats. Um, so maybe he wouldn't have to take all those floaters, you know, if he could engage as a, engage the drop defender and throw a lob. Um, but still, like, you really just don't want to take someone who's limited to that when you already right. have Kevin Herter to run your second unit who does have a mid-range, at least, you know, somewhat of a mid-range game that I think will develop uh, as he just kind of gets more comfortable and can stay healthy. Um, so, yeah, Halliburton, to me, just wouldn't be the guy at all. Um, what about, I mean, I know you don't like Wiseman, but can we just talk about it? And I just think, you know, if he's, he's probably not going to be there at six, but just kind of same, same kind of, you know, thing with the Kongwu. I mean, do you think there's any chance, you know, of him actually getting to six? And if he's there, would you consider him? Um, I mean, I, sure there's a chance um i'd be i guess kind of shocked if he fell past charlotte i think charlotte's going to end up taking either okongu or wiseman um, i prefer okongu because i just think he's a better prospect and player than wiseman but i mean michael jordan also is running the team so you never know um i mean if he's there at six and if he's the best ranked player on their board like go for it you know you're going to really get someone who can set really good screens, um, which would then free Trey up and it would potentially help collapse the defense even more than Trey already does on his own. Um, you get a rim runner, although, I mean, I like Okongu more there because he's just a lot quicker off his feet and Wiseman takes a little bit more time to load into his jump. Um, and then defensively, I mean, I'm just not really a huge fan of him on defense. I don't really think he moves that well. Um, he moves really well on the straight line, absolutely in transition and whatnot but like east west i don't think i think he's heavy footed uh, i don't think his iq is particularly good so you're just kind of forced to have him in drop coverage which then forces trey to really get over the screen to provide to, uh, to provide some pressure from the back um because if you play wiseman too far high the guy who's going to be coming around the screen can probably get by him and wiseman's not quick enough to recover there so I mean, if he's there, if they're comfortable with it, sure, you can take him because you know you're going to get someone who can block shots, not necessarily protect the rim, but block shots. And you can get someone who can be a vertical spacing threat um, and, you know, run the court. But, like, I wouldn't take him, I guess. Um, if you're picking between him and Okongu, I'm taking Okongu. And if you're picking between Wiseman and, you know, who, like whoever else would be there, like Wiseman or Vassell or um, but whatever, I would probably take the other option. Like I just, he's just kind of bland. He'll put up numbers. He's just kind of bland, I think, in terms of ceiling and impact. Yeah, and I think also it just, like you said, I mean, the Hawks have to be conscious of Trey Young, if anything. I mean, they can ignore every other piece on the roster in the draft, but they can't ignore the fact that Trey Young is there. Um you don't want to bring someone in who's going to make his job harder defensively. Right. So then, you know, maybe you just roll with Capella and obviously you traded, you know, a, a, it wasn't a great first round pick. It was like a mid, I think 17th pick or something for Clint Capella. So you just kind of roll with Capella. I think if a has gone and, and you, and you just take, uh, you know, in another position, uh, I just had to ask. It's awkward to ask because I know me and you both don't like Wiseman. I already knew that going in. So 
just to kind of just brush by that. Um, other guys in the top 10, obviously we talked about uh, Denny as, you know, probably the ideal guy for them to get. What is it you like so much about Denny um, anywhere? Because, I mean, we've talked about how he fits, you know, pretty much anywhere. Mm-hmm. But specifically with, you know, Trey Young, what is it that you like about uh, Denny's fit? The ability to be a, um, another playmaker. He's not a primary option. I think you can definitely run some pick and rolls when the occasion calls for it with him as the guy leading it without attacking the swinging defense necessarily. Um, but I think, you know, the amount of gravity that just Trey has and his ability to get the entire defense shifted to him, like if that's happening, if you have um, Denny then on the opposite side of the court, at first, I buy the catch-and-shoot jump shot, especially given what we see in the last 10 games or so of the season with the reworked form just looks so much better. Um, so, I mean, he'd get open looks there even before then, aside from the last, you know, I think 10 games before that where he just kind of shot the bed uh, shooting. He was a pretty consistent catch-and-shoot guy. It was like 40% or 38% on over 100 attempts on shots outside the final seven seconds. And I think that's important to note because he was often the bailout option for Maccabi Tel Aviv. Um, but then beyond the shooting, he's a super smart player on defense. Um, like he, he's versatile. I think he'll be able to defend threes. I think he'll be able to defend fours. He'll get stronger, but what he has right now is physicality. Um, I think he can potentially switch a little bit on some of the smaller guys not every possession, but when it calls for it, absolutely. Um, and then, again, going back to the offense, if, if he's attacking the swing defense, you can then run another side action, side action to get another pick and roll going. You can play Trey off the ball a little bit there. Um, but he's a really good pick and roll passer in the half court. He's a really good finisher. Um, I, I just, like, I love that fit, especially because you could then have three guys at the two, three, and the four who are all around six, eight defend multiple positions so you're you wouldn't switch trade with those guys but you have three positions potentially four with clint a little bit where you can just switch and not really have to worry about um about avoiding mismatches right yeah no i i like denny a lot i I, like i like you said i do not think he'll be there at six um i think the warriors will probably trade their pick and there's a decent chance you know someone could trade up and take him if not Melo. Mm-hmm. So get into a couple more of the guys in the range in a little more in depth. Killian Hayes, would you have him as a Hawks? You said you would have him as a Hawks target, but would you kind of expect him to be a starter or would you expect him to be more of like a combo, like kind of the backup, just combo guard type archetype? I think you could definitely start. Like I have no, you know, like if the Knicks get him, he's starting. If the Pistons get him, he's starting. Um, I think he's definitely got the potential to be a full-time starting point guard. Um, I think he can definitely come in actually and start full-time. And obviously with the Hawks, he wouldn't take Trey's position. He would play more off ball. Um, but I love the fit there, the left-handed pass and he can't pass with his right hand, but I love that. I love the ability to create for himself off the balance, the finishing, the smart defense, um, He's got some positional versatility because of the strength and the athleticism improvements over the last year has me thinking that he'll improve more going forward. You know, he's still 18 and a half or just turned 19 or something. He's still super young. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, if, if he's there, uh, and if, you know, Schlenk likes him, absolutely, I think they should take him. Isaac Okoro is another guy that's been linked to the Hawks a bit. Uh, I really like him a lot. I don't know if I like him as much as Denny or Kongwu, but he's also another guy at six, I think, just you have to consider because, you know, he also has some two-way versatility. The shot is obviously a huge concern, but how strongly would you consider Okoro if you were Atlanta? Um, yeah, I mean, I guess... Like, like I, I also really like him. Um, I buy the shot just because the touch and the paint is so good, and he's he's shown some promise actually creating for himself off the bounce. Um, I don't think the form is broken, so what I usually go with is if you have good touch, which he does, and if the form's not broken, I think you're going to be at least a serviceable shooter. And if a core can get there, he's got literally every other skill you want from a modern wing. Um, he's got the passing, he's got... The off-ball defense, he's super smart off-ball. He's not Devin Vassell level, but he's, you know, that tier below that. I think he's in a, a very, very high level team defender. Um, he's a very good isolation defender. You know, he'd defend Kyra one game, go to Maxi the next. Um, Neesmith the game after that. Like, he defended everybody. Um, and another thing, you know, like he has the passing. And... The ability to, again, play Trey off the ball a little bit more if they want to. I think that's, you know, that's, that's what you'd want from someone playing next to Trey. Um, so I, I definitely like the fit. Um, like, quite, would, would they do it, though? I mean, like, would they take him? I have no idea. <laughs> right, yeah. I mean, there there is, like, something out there. Sam Vecini said it on a... Uh... Locked on Hawks too, Brad. Uh, he said um, that the Hawks, there's something out there that the Hawks like a Coro, but yeah. it's really early. That was even already like a month ago. So it's really early. They they could like a Kongwu. They could like Hayes. They could like Denny. You know, just because they like a Coro doesn't mean he's a favorite for them to take him or anything. But yeah. you kind of compared him to Vassell's team defense and how Vassell, you know, was a little better within the team defense. But who do you think was a better one-on-one defender? Okoro, and it's not even close. Yeah, that's that's what I think too. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess kind of just wrapping up, you know, we I guess we can toss like Neesmith in this as well. What kind of if you're looking at you know the screen I'm sharing with you, from where I'm highlighting, like from Halliburton down to like exclude Kyra. Don't worry about Kyra, but from Halliburton down to Neesmith, and even really down to Maxi, but. We haven't talked about Sadiq or, yeah. and we're not counting Cole Anthony. So, really, just Maxi, Neesmith, Vassell, Okoro, Hayes, Denny, Akamu, Halliburton. I know that's a lot, but kind of put those guys in like order or tiers for me for the Hawks. Well, you said from Wiseman down? Um, no, no, from, 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 Hall- from Halliburton. Yeah, from like all the guys who are realistically going to be there at six that we kind of think the Hawks should like. So, Halliburton, Akamu, Denny, Killian, Okoro, Vassell. We could just stop at Vassell. And I'll All toss right. Maxi in there too. All right. So uh, I'm actually writing this down. So I would have Denny as my clear cut one. Um, he'd be, you know, the guy at the top of my list. I'd have Hayes, probably two. Uh, 
think I would probably have Kongu maybe after that. Like, I, kn- I know Clint and everything in his contract. I think Clint can probably be traded relatively easily. So if Okongu does end up taking the full-time position or if he deserves a lot more minutes and, you know, he, he's getting in the, his rookie season, they can trade him when he only has two left. Um, so let's see. I've got a few guys left. Um, I would have... You got a Coro, Vassell, yeah, Maxi, Maxi and Halley. Yeah, and Halliburton. All right. So Maxi would... He'd probably be my last. My last guy. Um, it would either be him or Halliburton. Yeah, for the Hawks, I guess. Um, I would have Maxi ahead of Halliburton for the Hawks, but that's just me. Yeah, like I just, I just think the team defense. I think, I mean, Maxi's a good team defender in his own right, and I just, it's, it's tough. I think Maxi's playmaking leaves a lot to be desired, and I think Halliburton. I think his ability to just kind of like move the ball. I think I'd yeah. So I'd have Halliburton above Maxi for the final two, and, and then Coro and Vassell. Yeah, that's yeah. like that's what everyone is debating. Kind of is the Coro and Vassell. Yeah, I I'd have a Coro slightly above. Um. Yeah, I would have a Coro slightly above. I, I just think the passing. And the him him not being like a bad ISO defender at all, like him be, like being a legit good ISO defender on top of being a really good team defender. I think like, I just I like that a little bit more. And again, I buy the shot. If I didn't buy the shot, I'd probably have the sell above. But I think if you're if you're really trying to think, you know, whether or not he's going to be a thirty five percent three point shooter, you know, just around league average thirty six percent on three, four attempts a game, I think he'll get there. Um, so, yeah, so it would be Denny at one, then Hayes and the Kongu, then Okoro, Vassell, Halliburton, and then, then Maxi. Uh, we can move down to 50 and kind of talk about right now the Hawks have the 50th pick in the second round. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anybody in this range or you know even it could be someone who's 35th that you think could slip it doesn't have to you know these boards are what they are but they're nothing right anything can happen so is there anyone that you think could slip to 50 that you think you know the hawks would be crazy to let you know to let go yep um so i mean if tilly's there uh, i would 100 percent take him at that point even if he's only playing 50 games a year um and if you can keep him healthy for the playoffs, he's, I think, like in terms of skill, I think he's a lottery skill guy. It's just he's been injured all the time. But at 50, I'd play the odds. Um, and I just think he's 100% worth it at that point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Tilly would be one of them. Um, Sam Merrill would be another. I think if he weren't, you know, 24 years old, he'd be probably, you know, early 30s type pick. Um, where's Isaiah Joe? I mean, Isaiah Joe, obviously, if he's there. I have him as a top 30 player. Um, yeah, he's 68 on uh, Vecini's board. If he's there at 50, which he shouldn't be, I'd 100% take him. Um, and then Tyler Bay, he's another guy at 56. 
uh, on Vecini's board. Abdullah Enjoy, I would take him at 54. I mean, he's 54 on his board, I would take him at 50. Um, Endor is actually, you know, he's a good playmaker. He's 6'7". He's got a really long wingspan. He can defend a few positions. He's a good passer. The shot's gotten a lot better over the last few years, I think. Um, he'd be interesting. I don't know if he's coming over right away. Um, but I feel like he's kind of not talked about enough as a potential, you know, role-playing sleeper type pick. Yeah, I definitely love Tilly. Uh, for anyone who, you know, doesn't know about Tilly, Kelly Tilly is a big man at Gonzaga. If you're a college basketball fan, just has a really great feel. He could shoot uh, great uh, rotations on defense. He, he just doesn't really make a whole lot of mistakes on the floor. His biggest mm-hmm. weakness is probably just the fact that he's skinny. Um, for I'm, He's like 230. He's not I like skinny. Yeah, I just mean in terms of like uh, paint defense. Uh, yeah. He, he can be overmatched at times. Mm-hmm. But really, other than that, He's just a basketball player. He he knows how to cut. He knows how to screen. He knows how to initiate off of a screen if you really want him to. So just really someone, like you said, that would be much higher if he not had had like a billion knee surgeries. So I have one more that just came to mind. Uh, Marco Simonovic. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. From KK Mega B-Max. Yeah. Mm. First of all, those jerseys are amazing. I need a sweatshirt from them. So if anyone has ties is listening. Oh, Please and thank you. I didn't even um, know Vecini has moved Rokas up to 83. Yeah, apparently Rokas isn't staying in. I mean, you've seen what Javier said. I think you've seen what Javier said. Um, but apparently Rokas isn't isn't staying in. But Simonovic, he is staying in from everything that I've heard. Um, super skilled big. Like, very, very, very skilled modern big. He deserves to be picked ahead of, I think, Stewart, ahead of Vernon Carey. Um, definitely ahead of Daniel Oturu. Um, just like those guys, he's a really good passer in the short role. He's a really good shooter for a big also. And KK, you know, Mega BMAX's history with big guys coming over, whether it's Zubac or, of course, Nikola Jokic. Goga last year, like they have a good track record of guys coming over from that team and being at least role players um, in the NBA. And he's another guy who could who'd fit really well with Trey. So... You know, that, that would be another option. You could, might be able to stash him. Um, they want a roster spot, but he's another, like, under-the-radar type guy who I love. Yeah, I, I haven't seen a ton of him, but um, at 50, really, anything that has upside is great. Yep. So, just, that's where I would go. I would not take, like, a really good college player who just happened to slip to 50 or something. I would, I would be more in the international to, you know, Isaiah Joe type where someone who's just kind of being like slept on, even though Isaiah Joe was a great college player. He just, no one really talks about how he shot like 75 threes per hundred possessions. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't literally 75. He was like 16, but he took 10 attempts a game. Yeah. Like Joe, Joe is, Definitely someone I would I would look at. Merrill also because of the shooting. Um, yep. he's, a, he's a good passer too. Smart defender. Yeah. Just twenty four. Right. Think he's that long. Right. Yeah. I don't, there's definitely questions, but I mean, at fifty, everyone you get is gonna have questions. So I think they should definitely take someone and put them in the G League or put them as the fourteenth or fifteenth man. But uh, other guys I kind of like are I like Jared Butler from Baylor. 
I don't yep. I don't know. I think he could be like a backup point guard. Um, I like Tyler Bay as well. Marcus Howard, I think, will make it in the NBA, but I don't know that the Hawks should take him just given that he's 5'11 and the Hawks have Trey Young. <laughs> I, I don't know if that really matters, but I just there's probably gonna be someone, you know, that fits a little better. Yeah. Um so yeah. Any of these guys, you can kind of make a case. I mean, not any of them, but a lot of them, you can kind of make a case for at the end of the second round. And then, obviously, you'll have a bunch of two-way guys signed, et cetera. So, but I would like to thank Spencer for coming on today. Uh, go ahead and plug yourself. Everyone can follow you and look at all the yeah. great work that you do. I appreciate it, and thanks for having me. Um, you guys can find me at SK Perlman on Twitter and all my stuff. Uh, is at the Stepian and you know all the Twitter stuff I'm posting is it's clips it's you know quick breakdowns and stuff like that so um, you know hopefully you guys can find it informative follow Spencer follow Hawks Film Room thanks for listening see you next time